Welcome to the Spiritual Warfare Network podcast, the training ground for warriors in Christ who are ready to walk in their God-given power and authority. Apostle DeCoy Green is about to equip you with kingdom strategies and teach you how to strategically pray and effectively engage the enemy in spiritual warfare. Now, let's get into today's teaching. I'm going to open up in prayer, and we're going to dive right on into the Word of God. Father God, we come now, give you glory, give you honor, give you praise. Thank you, O God, for this day that you have made, O God. We thank you, O God, for another opportunity, O God, to open up the bread of life, O God. We thank you, O God, for each and everyone who's listening under the sound of my voice, O God. I thank you today, God, for uh, what you're going to say on this Bible study on this day, O God. We thank you, O God, for your Word that it should go forth with power, O God. We know that your Word shall accomplish what you will have it to accomplish in this earth, O oh God. So I thank you, O oh God, that our ears will be attentive to what the Spirit is saying unto the church. We come against any distractions, anything that will try to pull us away uh, from receiving this word, anything that will try to steal the seed of this word from going forth on tonight. We cancel it now in the mighty name of Jesus. So Lord, we thank you now. We bless your name. We glorify your name now. These and all other blessings we ask in your son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. So I'll do a quick recap of our last Bible study. Last time uh, we met, we were still on spiritual warfare training. We're still on that series. And last week, it was uh, spiritual warfare training part nine. We talked about engaging the enemy and how understanding that the enemy waged war against you before you before your mother gave birth to you. So that's why we got to thank God for protection uh, and teaching us how to fight back. And also that you're very important in God's government. And that's what makes you such a threat to Satan's government because you are important in God's army. Um, and, of course, you're a threat to Satan's kingdom. And so we understand that Satan was an enemy of God before he was an enemy of yours. So he's been around for a long time. So that's why we have to follow God's rules, not our rules. And, of course, we talk about how demons recognize who you're supposed to be in God before you do, and they come to steal what you don't know you have yet. So that's why we have to continue to pray, seek God, chase after him. And that when demons invade your territory, it's your divine right and responsibility to make them leave in the name of Jesus. And then we talked about in Deuteronomy 18, how they list a few, a few abominations that God talked about. We talked about what a sorcerer was, what witchcraft was, what a soothsayer or the spirit of divination was. We talked about medi- what a medium was. Uh, we talked about what a spiritist was or a wizard. Uh, so we talked about those demonic practices uh, in their cult and what they, what they do, how they operate. From that perspective, and how we can pretty much combat that, and and also, and with that being said, we also talked about how um, when when the enemy attacks, there's some people who will talk a good game, but when evil is staring them straight in the face, they run. So therefore, we shouldn't run from what God called us and sent us to conquer. And that's why it's important of, of of grasping everything that's being taught in this series, because there's a responsibility that comes with it, a responsibility that comes with territory that God gives you and that an attack of the enemy should not impact your response demons are looking for a reaction but your response should always be faith in god they're looking for you to react you can't react you need to respond and your response should always be tied to your faith in god and so that's just kind of a, a brief recap we went much much more on that but that's kind of a brief recap and also the importance of the word of god being a hammer jeremiah 23 talks about god's word is a hammer uh, that breaks the rocks in pieces, and his word is like a fire. So understanding that God's word, that's why it's important for us to know God's word in warfare because the word of God is like a hammer, and it's like fire against the enemy. And the enemy don't, does not like that because literally the fire burns them. So 
it's important to know what God's word says concerning our lives, concerning warfare, etc. All right. So now we're going to uh, transition over to part 10. Uh, tonight we're going to cover part 10, spiritual warfare training part 10. Uh, so now as we, we continue to get deeper and deeper, as we, you know, we, we spent the first half building foundation, building foundation, understanding, you know, all the tools and, and what we need and et cetera, and, and the power team, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so now, uh, tonight, part 10, we're going to talk about demonic plots and patterns. Demonic plots and patterns. So understand that everything in the spiritual realm is strategic. Everything in the spiritual realm is strategic. Nothing just happens by a coincidence. Hear me clearly. Nothing that you will face in this life happens by coincidence. So you need to stay sharp through prayer. The enemy does not accidentally attack you, but it is planned out. There is no such thing. Hear me clearly. There is no such thing as an accident in the spirit. It may look like an accident on earth, but the enemy planned it in the spirit. Therefore, that's why we have to pray. That's why we have to war in the spirit. And there is always a war going on around us. There's always a war going on around us. There was literally a war going on before you were conceived in your mother's womb, while you were in your mother's womb, and after you were born. So therefore, you cannot take it lightly. Demons hate you, and they don't hate you because you're so good. They hate you because you matter to God. Of course, that's not your problem. It's not your problem, but they plot to try to cause you problems. And everything the enemy throws at you was methodically planned out, and you can go in the spirit realm in prayer and cast down those plans. Everything the enemy throws at you was methodically planned out, and you can go in the spirit realm through prayer, through warfare, and cast down those plans. It is their goal that you never find out. Find out you can go into the spirit realm and snatch down their plans. They want you to think you just have to put up with whatever comes your way. You don't have to put up with anything that is blatantly against God's will. You do not have to put up with anything that is blatantly against God's will. You have the power and authority to do something about it. And just because something has been going on in your life for a while does not mean you have to accept it. Don't accept attacks of the enemy. You are equipped to fight back. You have the tools to fight back. So, however, if the enemy plans, watch this now, if the enemy plans, then that means you and I should plan. If demons study us, we too should study the things of God so we know how to effectively counterattack attacks of the enemy. Angels who do work on earth study God's blueprint. Demons who operate on earth study Satan's blueprint. So we too must study God's blueprint. This starts with prayer and the study of God's word. If demons study you, you should be studying too. If they put in the work, there's no excuse for us not to put in the work to do the will of God. Demons want to sell you a lie. So you never buy into the truth. And the more you see Christ, the more truth you will have to expose those lies. The more you see Christ, the more truth you will have to expose the lies. The only way a lie can be exposed is through the truth. Only way you can expose the lie of Satan is through the truth of God's word. So if you don't have the truth of God's word, how will you really know what's a lie and what's not? Some things are blatant. Some things are obvious. But again, the enemy is subtle. It's crafty. It's tricky. So therefore, that's why you need to know what God said so that those lies will be exposed of the enemy. So you have more power than you realize. Some things we cannot control. But some things the enemy plots in the spirit, we can expose and prevent when we get serious about prayer. 
Prayer in God's word opens your eyes to levels you could never obtain without it. And it's one thing to know the enemy is plotting, because we all know. I mean, the church knows that the enemy is plotting against us, that the devil is busy. We, we know that. But it's one thing to know the enemy is plotting, but it's another thing to be able to see the plot being formed. God can reveal it to you through revelation from the Holy Spirit, through dreams, vision, etc. So no attack of the enemy nor any enemy is more powerful than the Holy Spirit that's living in you. Okay? Give back to the basic fundamentals here. So you have a great advantage in spiritual warfare, but you must know how to work it to your advantage. It's not enough to just have power. You have to know how to work the power God gave you against the enemy. Hear me clearly. The Holy Spirit is not broken. He is not broken. He's waiting for you to get up and go so he can get up and go to work in and through you. And demons try to gauge where you are. Watch this now. Demons try to gauge where you are in your thinking and how you will respond. This is also why they try to sow seeds of certain thoughts in your mind. Seeds of thoughts. A thought is a seed. So the thoughts that you have are either one of two things. It's a seed of God or a seed of Satan. Okay? Thoughts are seeds. Got to make understand this, and that's why what you're thinking about often is what typically manifests in your life. That's what you become. That's what you believe. So that's why the enemy will try to sow seeds of thoughts in your mind to get you to believe that this is what it is, to get you to believe that what you see in the natural is what's really going on. Okay? So this is why, again, like I said, they try to sow those thoughts in your mind. So they, they do this. Watch this now. They do this based on tests that they have thrown at you in the past. They do this based on tests that they have thrown at you in the past. And understand this. Demons create patterns in your life based on the pattern that worked before. And they only change it when it doesn't work. I'm going to say that again. Demons create patterns in your life based on the pattern that worked before. And they only change it when it doesn't work. However, they will often Try it multiple times before changing the pattern in hopes of catching you with your guard down. So just because you got past it one time don't mean you're not going to try that pattern again. So they're going to stick to it until they realize after multiple attempts, it's still not working. Because they don't mind trying multiple times. Because they're thinking, again, law of averages. If I do it so many times, I'll, I, you know, I'll get a decent return. So therefore, you have to continuously overcome the attacks of the enemy, continue to overcome the traps of the enemy, continue to pray for discernment, and the more that, that pattern that used to work in the past, that pattern that used to, to get you upset and get you to react this way and get you to respond this way, when it doesn't work consistently, then they know they have to try to change their pattern. And if you're experiencing the same vicious cycle in your life, there's the seed, a seed that the enemy sowed that you must command to be uprooted in the name of Jesus. So if you notice a certain pattern in your life, that's a seed that the enemy has sown that you must command to be uprooted in the name of Jesus. Because, again, demons work in patterns. Okay? Some won't just leave immediately the first time you tell them to go. So you must be relentless in prayer and warfare until it happens. You have to be relentless. So don't quit fighting in the spirit because demons hope you get tired. They're hoping that you're going to get tired during warfare and that you'll lose the strength or the courage to fight or you get frustrated. So you have to keep fighting. Again, it goes back to strategy. I'm just building foundation for this, for this topic. It goes back to strategy. Familiar spirits or demons that study you, your dislikes, your likes, your strengths, your weaknesses, they're looking for an opening to attack. They're just trying to find an opening to attack. And demonic familiar spirits, watch this now, 
they create a report on you and take it back to their headquarters so they can form a plan to attack you. And this is, again, why you must understand that your life is to be taken seriously. You should take your life serious, very seriously because you're important enough until angels and demons fight over you. And this as a refresher from the beginning of this series, we must be reminded about angelic and demonic powers. Powers is a specific rank of, I'm not talking about power and authority. Power, we know the power that we have is the power of the Holy Spirit. But I'm talking about a specific rank. They're called powers. That's a specific rank of angels or demons. And powers, angelic powers in God's army are keepers of our collective history. They are also guardians of peace in order to enforce order in the world. So powers, uh, those who serve as, as powers, you know, the role of powers in, in, in angelic hosts, their job is to, uh, they're guardians, the guardians of peace and order to enforce order in the world. So they enforce order in the world. They are the bearers of the conscience and behavior of all of humanity. They see all our behavior, our conscience, how we respond to things for all of humanity. They're responsible for that. But there are also demonic powers that try to hold us in the past by bringing up our past history or trying to, trying to, uh, to, to bring things up from our past to ignite certain feelings in our heart, to try to it, it bring up old feelings, old emotions that you thought you were over. You, you thought you were past it, but, but then they would try to throw those seeds to see if it's going to work, to get a reaction out of you because they're trying to open a new door in your life. They're trying to get through find a crack to where they can then enter back in and begin to attack you in that area. So again, these demonic powers, they try to hold us in the past by bringing up our past history to try to use it against us. And they keep a collective history. Watch this now. They keep a collective history of every sin they have influenced us to do and every sin that they tempted us with. And this helps them strategize on another attack. And Satan also tries to use it to bring accusations against us to God. But thank God that we know that Christ is our advocate and through the blood of Jesus Christ that was shared for our sins when we repent. So understand this. I say it time and time again. God does not waste time nor space. And everything God does, Satan tries to duplicate. And God can use one thing, one thing to accomplish multiple things in your life. And that one thing can change your entire life forever. God can use one thing, and, and you can, he can have you in one area doing one assignment, but that one assignment is working in so many other areas in your life. He, God is co- accomplishing so many different things in your life through one thing because God never wastes time, no space. And watch this now. So we know Satan is a copycat. He's trying to follow the blueprint of God, but, of course, in a twisted way. So understand this. So Satan tries to accomplish this in the same way. He sends his demons to do a job. That is meant to create a long-term effect. Follow me now. Satan sends his demons to do a job that is meant to create a long-term effect. For example, they will try to contaminate someone's life and try to get that person to pass it down to their child and their child to pass it down to their child. And that's how generational curses are formed. It's a curse that was planted many generations ago that is passed down until it's finally destroyed. And demons hope that you never recognize it. And this goes back to patterns. We're talking about patterns. Every demonic plot has an end goal to create a long-term effect with the hope of killing us. I'll say that again. Every demonic plot, every, every, every last demonic plot has an end goal to create a long-term effect with the hope of killing us. 
okay? Because demons think generationally. That's why we should think generationally. So they use sickness, manipulation, people, etc. This is why you should never accept anything that has happened generationally in your family that is not of God. It does not matter if there is a history of diabetes, cancer, alcoholism, sexual sin, infidelity, etc. in your family. Don't accept that, but reject it. None of those are God's will, so you can attack them. The important thing to remember is that just because you avoid it now doesn't mean that the curse has been uprooted in your family. Very important thing to, to, to grasp here. Just because you defeated it, they were trying to attack you and they were trying to come at you, that everyone in your family did this or all the men in your family did this or all the women in your family did this or, or, you, or no one finished school and, 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 and everyone went to divorce or it was all infidelity or whatever the case, whatever the sickness, whatever it is that, that, that you notice that pattern that's going on in your family or around you, et cetera, and let's say you overcame it, you defeated it, it, never, it, it wasn't able to penetrate you, okay? And so understand the enemy doesn't mind every once in a while having some losses, okay? So what happens is you may have avoided it, but that does not mean that the curse has been uprooted in your family. One generation can even be skipped. One entire generation can be skipped over because of what was accomplished in warfare. However, the enemy will try to get around you and get to another. So now that you know that, you can be the one to break the curse once and for all by engaging the enemy in warfare and uprooting the curse so no other generation will have to face that again. Don't you know that you have the ability to pray for generations that have not been born? Not only do you have the ability, but you have the responsibility to pray for generations that are yet to be born. Not just your children, not just your grandchildren, not just your great-grandchildren, but your great-great-great-great-great. You have the ability to put something in the atmosphere that will take root in generations yet to be born. How do I know this? Because demons, that's how generational curses work. They start a curse with whether it's, you know, your ancestors could have been centuries ago, slavery, it could be down to whatever your ancestors were, centuries and centuries ago, whatever they did, didn't do, the enemy could have started with something they did, they could have made a, a covenant with the devil, they could have done some things that the enemy, you know, got a hold of them, and it was passed down to their children, certain trends, certain patterns that got passed down, and it kept going, going on, 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 because again, the enemy thinks generationally, but they could have been a curse that has been on your bloodline that was, that was supposed to impact generations down the line. Therefore, not only do you have to go back and erase and eradicate that in the spirit and warn against that, but then now you have to also go not just backwards, but then you go forward to the generation that are yet to be born, and then you put it in the atmosphere that you shall be the men and women of God that God called you, called you to be. This curse is broken, and it shall not impact you. They, you know, so, so you have to go forward as well. That's responsibility because, again, you now know. There's families that go through this and, and they have no idea about spiritual warfare. They think spiritual warfare don't exist. There's some families who don't believe demons exist. So, so understand this information is important for you to grasp and, and, and pull in because, again, you have a responsibility level for your family because you know this. You know this. You now have this information. You now have this revelation, and you have the ability to do that. And that's why the enemy knows that. That's why witchcraft is effective when it's not uprooted because they know that they can go and put a curse that is going to impact generations. That's the goal. They never look for one thing. It's not about one thing. Satan and his demons, they think, they think on a macro level. So if they're thinking on a macro level, we have to think on a macro level, not just, oh, my this, oh, me, 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 and oh, my poor, poor me, and woe is me, Lord, why do I have to go through it? No, 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 no. You have to, to, to pull up your britches, and you got to fight. 
in the spirit, not just fighting for you, but then you got to start fighting for your family. You got to start fighting for generations yet unborn. And you have the ability, you have the tools. Okay, so just understand it. Could ask the trigger enemy. He's gonna make you think. Okay, well, it skipped over. It, it skipped you. But they were like, okay, that's fine. But I'll get the next. I'll get your children. I'll get your children, children. So that's how they think. So therefore, you have the ability to eradicate that generational curse. You got to go back first and find the root. And you don't have to literally know what it is. You know that can come through revelation. But again, it's simply putting in the atmosphere and warring against whatever you the pattern you've noticed has been attacking your family that may have even tried to come at you. Okay, and so with that being said, God chose you to disrupt the plans of the enemy that the enemy tried to use to take out your family. So it may isolate you for a season, but you will win. And this is where persistence comes into play. We must be persistent. You must be persistent in prayer. You must be persistent in the study of God's word because demons are persistent at attacking you. They are persistent. They're trying to plot against you. So we can't take a day off. Okay? Now, like I said, we've talked about the power team. Look, you, you have God. You have Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit, you have angels, you have your brothers and sisters in Christ. So it's a power team, and anyone on that team is enough to win in spiritual warfare. So that, but we have all of it at our disposal. So it's nothing to be afraid of, nothing to feel like, oh, it's too big of a task, and oh, I can't handle this, I don't know how to do this, etc. You already have what you need, but you have to be persistent in prayer and the study of God's word. And no Christian, no child of God has an excuse not to study the weapon that scripture is. The scripture is a weapon. And you can begin by studying. We talked about this before. Studying, learning one verse per week to build your word base. Yes, yes. And I don't want to hear nothing about, oh, well, I have a hard time memorizing scripture. Okay, you were in school at one point. You had to memorize something to pass a test. Okay, so again, you can start simple. One verse per week. You know, we, they did the ice bucket challenge. Let's talk about the word challenge. One verse per week. And then you study that. You study that verse, and you study that passage, okay? So whatever that verse is, you know, is, is it Matthew 6 and 33? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things shall be added unto you. So you get that scripture, and you get that verse, and you rehearse it. All week, you get up in the morning and read it. Before you go to work, you get up when you go before you go to bed. You rehearse it all throughout the day, all throughout the day. And you can do that all week for that one verse, depending on how you learn. You might be able to study multiple during the week, but I'm saying at least start with one. Because there is no excuse when the enemy attacks for you not to have word to throw back at them. you at a disadvantage right there. You, it, your, your work is that much more difficult when you don't have enough word to combat the enemy. Okay? So that's your word challenge. That's our word challenge. Okay? And, and that, that challenge is for me too because, look, it's a lot of Bible. You see what I'm saying? So it, it, it's, we're always learning. We're always learning. Always learning. And so that, so that scripture memory is vital. And you can do it, and it's necessary, and we need to do it, and it's something that we have to do, okay? So you can only truly sustain your effectiveness in warfare when the word of God in you, that the word of God is in you, and what's in you will be used against the enemy. So the word of God has to be in you. It has to be in you because what's in you has to come out. Uh, let's go to First Timothy 4 and 1. Again, First Timothy 4 and 1, just one verse. And it reads, now the Spirit expressly says, that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. So this, this letter, this was a part of uh, a letter that Apostle Paul wrote to his spiritual son, Timothy, uh, whom uh, Apostle Paul mentored Timothy in the gospel. And at this time, 
Timothy was believed to be overseeing the church in Ephesus, and Apostle Paul was encouraging him and giving him instruction on how to deal with certain things going on in Ephesus. Now, there may be a debate. Some saying, you know, you know, Timothy was over the church in Ephesus. Some say he was just passing to Ephesus. Either way, it don't matter. At the end of the day, he was doing the work of the Lord. He was doing some work in Ephesus as far as bringing forth the gospel. So this book is one of the pastoral epistles because it's pastoral in nature. Because it addresses, it addresses leaders in the church, church oversight. And so the letters that Paul wrote to Timothy and Titus are known as the pastoral epistles or the pastoral letters because they're pastoral in nature. So, again, there's, there's I guess there's the first and second Timothy and Titus. Those are known as the pastoral letters. Okay? And so one thing that, that had to be addressed was false teachers. The false teachers that were popping up and people were being led astray by them. And so Apostle Paul addressed the issue of people being deceived and caused them to depart from the faith. So they were susceptible to deceiving spirits. Okay, so we're about to get into something here. They were susceptible to deceiving spirits. Deceiving spirits are demons who deceive. Makes sense. All demons deceive, but they go about it in different ways. They have different assignments. And so this particular uh, demonic spirit that was being exposed was the spirit of error. Error, E-R-R-O-R, the spirit of error. So essentially, this spirit opposes the spirit of truth of God and his word. And so its assignment, the spirit of error's assignment, is to push false doctrine. And they make it sound enough like the truth, but they put a little twist in it to contaminate the truth. And this spirit causes people to walk in error and believe it to be true. This spirit is still in operation today. This spirit will have someone boldly declare what is false. They will boldly declare something that is false. They will walk in error with arrogance and confidence, and some of them will claim Christ. And it sways people away from the truth. And Satan sends the spirit of error to blind people from the truth of Christ. So you have to pray to God to not fall into the trap of the spirit of error. Because, again, there's Christians who are walking in the spirit of error. And so the spirit also influences people to be offended by the truth and become overly sensitive and critical of people who speak the truth by calling them judgmental. Have you ever experienced that? Where you're giving the truth of God's word, telling the truth, and they're calling you judgmental. The Bible never said that you couldn't judge. Okay, they pretty much say that the way in you, how you judge is, uh, the way in which you judge is how you also going to be judged. They didn't ever say don't judge because the word of God judges. Okay, so the truth should convict. People who are easily offended by truth are influenced by the spirit of error. They're influenced by the spirit of error. Jesus offended darkness because he brought light. So don't feel bad if people are offended when you speak the truth. The truth of Christ should convict as you offend darkness and bring light. You should offend darkness with the truth of God's word. That's why, again, we need to know God's word. Okay, and so the demonic spirit of error makes room. Watch this now. We'll get a little deeper. The demonic spirit of error makes room to push the agenda of Satan. And this spirit does that through the distribution of the doctrine of demons. And the Greek word for doctrine means teaching or instruction. So the doctrines of demons are the teachings influenced by and taught by demons. They influence others to believe it. And then to teach it to others. And some who operate in this are well aware of it. And others are deceived and they teach it without really knowing it per se. So there are some entire 
non-Christian and even Christian groups that are influenced by the spirit of error. Of course, deliverance is needed, and it begins by coming in contact with the truth of God's word. And this is why it's important to know God's word. And many have been led astray because something sounded good. Watch this now. Many have been led astray because something sounded good or it made sense to their intellect. But in all actuality, it opposes the word of God. A good word is not a good word if it contradicts God's word. I'm going to say that again. A good word is not a good word if it contradicts God's word. And so since they didn't know the truth of God's word, they were easily deceived. That's why you have to know the truth of God's word, or it can be easily deceived. It makes the enemy's job that much easier. Watch this now, because there's many very intellectual Christians. Nothing wrong with intellect in and of itself, but intellect alone is a demon's playground. It is never a replacement for intellect covered by the blood of Jesus. So that's why that's a renewed mind. We have to have a renewed mind in Christ Jesus. That's why I said let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. We need the mind of Christ. That's a renewed mind. That's intellect covered by the blood of Jesus. So understand, the Bible is not just a cool book to read when you feel like it. It's what we need to live and fight the enemy who's trying to destroy us. So again, let's talk about three doctrines. There are three doctrines outlined in Scripture. Three doctrines. Okay. And again, when we talk about doctrine, it's simply teaching, teaching or instruction. When you hear the word doctrine in Scripture, again, it's a Greek word that means teaching. So it's, we're talking about three teaching, specific teachings outlined in Scripture. Number one is sound doctrine. Sound doctrine is healthy teaching. The Greek word for sound means true and uncorrupt, true and uncorrupt. So sound doctrine is true and uncorrupt teaching which is the truth of God's word. Because there's some who are teaching God's word, but it's corrupt. Something put in there that twists it, or they're operating in the spirit of error until they took one passage and they made an entire theology off of it. They'll take one law and they make an entire theology off of it. That's the spirit of error because you're not taking the Bible in its totality. You're taking one thing and you're creating a doctrine. That's dangerous. You can't take one thing and create an entire doctrine off of it. You have to take the totality of the word of God, okay? And, and you know, on the backdrop as it compares to this and that and understanding what was going on during that time, understanding the history of that passage, et cetera, et cetera. So sound doctrine is healthy teaching, okay? The second doctrine is the apostles' doctrine. And this was the teaching of the apostles in Scripture. And they taught what Christ taught. And what was revealed to them by the Holy Spirit. They first just delivered this message orally, but it was later written down, uh, which gives us the entire New Testament. So the apostles' doctrine is sound doctrine because it upholds the truth of God's word. It's true and uncorrupt. So when we talk about the apostles' doctrine, we're not talking about uh, apostles of today like a doctrine. I'm an apostle. I'm not talking about my doctrine. I don't have a doctrine. My doctrine is the same doctrine that the apostles' doctrine had in the, in the Bible. Your doctrine is the same apostles' doctrine that was in Scripture. So it's pretty much the teachings that Christ taught, and that was revealed to them by the Holy Spirit. That's the apostles' doctrine, and the apostles' doctrine is sound doctrine, which is, again, healthy teaching, true and uncorrupt. And we get to the doctrines. The third doctrine that Scripture talks about is the doctrines of demons, Okay. Um, and so teaching influenced by demons, that's the doctrine of demons, teaching influenced by demons. It is taught by demons, and demons also influence people to teach it. 
It is deceptive because it will use some of the truth of God's word, but twist it, as I said earlier. So Satan did this exact thing when he tried to tempt Jesus after Jesus came off of a fast by trying to twist the word of God. But Jesus knew the word of God and was able to rebuke Satan in Matthew chapter 4. So the doctrines of demons opposes sound doctrine because the doctrines of demons is unhealthy teaching, and it's false, and it's corrupt. But it may, it may sound good. Scripture talks about people having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, the power of God's word, the power that changes, the power that transforms, the power that cleanses, the power that sanctifies, that sets you apart. Okay? So, again, that's those three doctrines in Scripture, the sound doctrine. The Apostles' Doctrine, and again, the Apostles' Doctrine is just what Christ taught and what was revealed to them by the Holy Spirit. And that's pretty much made up the entire New Testament. And then the Doctrines of Demons, okay? And, and we know that's influenced by demons. They try to twist the truth. And that's how we, the Spirit of Arab is, is one uh, lower-ranking demon that begins to make room for more of Satan's agenda. Because he can get you to believe a lie, get you to believe something that's not true, get you to believe something that's, that's twisted, then that will open a door to create more so they can send higher-ranking demons to then do their job and their assignment, etc. Okay? So let's go to John 8. John chapter 8. Again, we talk about demonic plots and patterns. John 8, verses 44 through 47. John chapter 8, verses 44 through 47. Okay? Gospel of John, chapter 8, beginning with verse 44. And our passage reads, it says, you are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. So here we find Jesus. He was having a conversation with the Pharisees and Sadducees. And keep in mind, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they were supposed to be the well, you know, they were well-versed in the law. They were supposed to know the law. They were, you know, kind of the, you know, highly intellectuals in society. Uh, they were supposed to know scripture back and forth. But many of them did not acknowledge Jesus and his authority. They claimed to be the descendants of Abraham and thus the children of God. But Christ rebuked them and told them that their father was the devil because not only were they rejecting Jesus' teaching, but they were also plotting to kill Jesus. So these same teachers of the law, these clergymen, if you will, were plotting to kill Jesus. Now, they were supposed to know the law back and forth, but again, the spirit of error. We see the spirit of error in operation, okay? And so they knew the law. They knew the law. They knew how the law spoke of, in Old Testament, spoke of the coming Messiah, okay? Moses, it was, it, was all, it was all pointing to the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ, our Savior. But they just didn't believe that that was him, okay? And that's how you get spinned off of religion. That's why you have Jews who, there's still Jews who don't accept Jesus Christ, but there are, there are some Jews who do accept Jesus. Being a Jew is not enough. You've got to accept Christ. So the Jews believe that they're good because they, they but they're stuck in the old law. They haven't come into the law of the New Testament Christ. Then you got the, the, the Muslims who, you know, don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. He was just a prophet, etc. So you see how, how the spirit of error comes in and creates the spirit of error loves to create religions. So that's how you get Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, all, all these offshoots 
copycats in some way, shape, or form are copying some form of Christianity, spirituality, and well meditating, and you calling upon the gods, and etc. It's all knockoffs, but it's, it starts from the spirit of error, and that's how demons can operate freely and, and possess people in that manner, because that spirit of error makes room for the agenda of Satan, and, and as that room is created, then that's when they begin to believe more things. And again, that's why I say some people take one part of Scripture and turn it into an entire doctrine, and into an entire theology, into an entire religion. And so we got to understand this. So Jesus rebuked these Pharisees and Pharisees. He said, look, y'all rejected me. Not only y'all rejected me and the word of God our Father, but now you're plotting to kill me? So Satan had influenced them so much, and Jesus recognized it. And they weren't opposing him, but they were opposing God who sent him. So don't be concerned with who might oppose you or talk about you, but be concerned with fulfilling what God told you to do. And again, these men were influenced by the spirit of error because they rejected the truth of God. Christ told the truth, and they were offended and did not believe him. They were offended by the truth to the point they wanted to kill him. And, and it got so bad until I said they were plotting to kill Jesus over the words that Jesus spoke. These men were not bringing glory to God. They were bringing glory to Satan. So they weren't doing God's will, but they were fulfilling Satan's will, and therefore Jesus labeled them as children of the devil. Okay? Now follow me. I'm, go, I'm, I'm about to make a point. We, we're going somewhere. We're to shift again. So if someone defends what opposes the truth of God, they're either working temporarily or permanently for Satan. They're either working temporarily or permanently for Satan, so therefore you have to defend the truth. But you can't defend the truth if you don't know the truth. Philosophies and studying certain things is not enough. You still need to know what the Word of God says because I, I, I've heard many things that sounded good. I said, wait a minute, that's – okay, that works, and it, it may have worked, whatever, paid to work, et cetera. But if it contradicts God's Word, that's the problem. That's the spirit of error. I don't care what it seemed to produce because Satan can produce things too. So Jesus gave them a list of reasons why, from their actions, the Pharisees and Sadducees that were coming against, because, again, some Pharisees and Sadducees accepted Christ, but there's some who didn't, and these ones did not. So, therefore, because of their actions, Jesus said that their father was Satan, because Satan speaks a lie. He speaks a lie, and a lie never comes from God, but it comes from Satan and out of Satan's own nature. He is a liar and the father of lies. Satan is the father and the father of he's – he's a liar and the father of lies. So the spirit of error not only got these men to believe a lie, watch this now, but they were so adamant about the lie until they were influenced to plot to kill Jesus to defend the lie. Remember how I said earlier about that spirit of error? People will boldly and confidently defend a lie and defend what's not true. They will arrogantly defend what's not true. And as we see here, the Pharisees were so adamant about this lie until they were influenced to plot to try to kill Jesus. Because to defend a lie for, for what they thought was true. And not only did they have the spirit of error, but they also were influenced by a lying spirit and a murderous spirit. So we see how one spirit, because we see Jesus clearly said, look, they tried to, was trying to plot to kill him. They were lying, and they were pretty much de uh, denying the truth. So we, saw this, so we see a number of spirits. We started with the spirit of error. Watch this now. Remember how I said earlier how they will make room for other demons to enter. It started with the spirit of error. But they were also influenced, like I said, by a lying spirit and then a murderous spirit. So we see how one spirit, one spirit, one demonic spirit, if not rebuked and cast out, can make room to invite other spirits. And ultimately, it was all influenced by Satan, as we well know. So we know, again, I say it all the time, 
Everything God creates, Satan tries to duplicate, right? Everything God creates, Satan tries to duplicate. God is the father of lights. God is the father of light. Scripture tells us that God is the father of lights. And those lights that he's talking about is us. We're, we're the lights. Okay? He also talks about, you know, moon, stars, etc. Those are also other lights, but we are the lights here on earth. And that's why we're supposed to be the light of the world. Scripture says that we are the light of the world. And a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. In Matthew 5, 14 through 16, we're the light of the world. We're supposed to let our, shine, our light shine before men. So, and Scripture clearly says that you and I are the light of the world. We accept Christ. We are the light of the world. That means you have to shine your light in dark places. You have to bring the light to shine it on darkness, the light of truth to expose lies. Okay? So if God is the father of lights, what does Satan turn around and do? He's the father of lies. He's the father of lies. And those spirits lie and they influence people to lie and to live a life of lies. You see, you see, everything God creates, Satan tries to duplicate, okay? So God's the father of light, Satan's the father of lies. Jesus called out here that, okay, he's the father of lies. He said that Satan pretty much, he goes, look, your father is Satan. Nothing in him but, but lying. And he's the father of it, okay? So we, we follow in this pattern. We see the path here. And, okay, let's look at this now. God is the king of kings, right? God is the king of kings, and God has sons and daughters, right? Satan is also a king in his kingdom, and he has sons and daughters. So in the natural sense, he can use people in such a way that they can become his children. We see here, God called these Pharisees and Pharisees children of Satan, okay? So Satan and his demons also initiate people into his kingdom of darkness. And some of those people initiate their children into his kingdom. We'll get into that later into the series. Uh, about some of those practices of initiating children into the demonic world and, and how certain things, were, there were trade-offs, and there's just so much. And, and so that, that still happens today. Some people literally do it, and some people unknowingly do it. Okay, so we'll get into that later in the series. But again, so you talk about this initiation. So in the spiritual world, the angels who were kicked out with Satan, the ones that were kicked out with Satan, a third of the angels, a third of the heavenly hosts, were kicked out with Satan because they rebelled with Satan. They listened to Satan. Satan influenced them, okay? Because we talked about a long time ago when we did an entire study on angels, how angels have intellect and emotions and they have a will, okay? Angels have intellect, emotions, and a will. Satan, because of his intellect, because of how smart he was and how much wisdom he had, he and all the glory of God that he was able to see because he was a bearer of, as a cherubim, he was, able to, he was a custodian of the glory of God, so he always saw God's glory. And so, again, and so because of that, he wanted that glory for himself. He wanted that glory for himself. And so with that being said, he has sons and daughters as well. Okay? So in the spiritual world, like I said, the angels who were kicked out with Satan, Satan doesn't see them as co-workers. He doesn't see them as peers. He sees them as sons. Okay? So Satan sees the demons, that the angels that were kicked out with were now demons. He sees them because, again, they lost their angelic rank, but they still had some of their power. Okay? They still have some of their power. And so the demons that were kicked out with him, Satan calls them sons, okay? And so as God's children, so you're going to see the duplication here. As God's children, you and I are God's sons and daughters, right? So God gave us territory to rule in on this earth, okay? So we go from the status of just a son or a daughter to a place of rulership or kingship and dominion on earth as a king and a priest. So again, we're sons and daughters once you accept Jesus Christ. Scripture says uh, in John 1 that as many as received him, he gave them 
uh, the right to become children of God. He gave them the right, the privilege, the opportunity to become a child of God, okay? So then that's being born back into the family of God, being born again, okay? Because we're born into the world, born into sin. So accepting Christ allows you to be born again and change the blood, the blood of Jesus. Now, we, now, uh, now we're cleansed through the blood of Jesus Christ. So we're being born again. The old has passed away. Behold, all things become new. We're renewed in Christ, et cetera, et cetera. But that's why you have to continuously to renew your mind. It's not enough just to accept Christ. It's okay, I'm good now. I'm all good. The devil is not going to stop chasing you. The devil is not going to try to attack you. So therefore, we need to know how to effectively engage the enemy, okay? So follow me here. Follow me here. And I'm making a point. So, so we see we're God's children. We're God's sons and daughters, right? And so then he said, okay, God said, okay, I give you territory on earth. So, in order, so as territory on earth, that gives you a place of rulership. Makes you royalty, kingship. You have dominion. Again, you, Scripture says that we're kings and priests, right? We're kings, and, we're kings because we're royalty in God's government. Because, again, we talked at the beginning of this series, there's two governments, God's government and Satan's government. And we broke down each, okay, and how Satan tried to duplicate it. But, again, so, again, so we understand we're kings and priests, right? And we're priests because we can go to God on our, on our own behalf. We can go to God for ourselves. We no longer have to go to an actual priest uh, to go to God for us. We can go to God for ourselves, and we can go to God for others. That's what makes us a priest in God's government understand so you are a priest in god's government because you can go to the father the king of kings yourself okay and so so hence god is the king of kings right and so we know that we are those kings and it's not gender specific you mean male and female we are those kings and so in god's government he gave us power and authority on earth to rule on earth and he gives his angels various functions and roles so watch this now so we know that we go from sons and daughters to kings and priests, okay? That's that shift, okay? So Satan, again, tries to duplicate what God does. So Satan calls his demons sons, and then he gives them territory to try to gain influence in. So he has an order, and he takes his sons and daughters and makes them princes or principalities. And, and so these princes or principalities they rule over kingdoms, cities, states, countries, continents, etc. Any large group within the earth, and we talked about this before. So principalities, they deal with large groups, kingdoms, cities, states, countries, continents, and large groups of people within the earth realm. That's, their, that's what they're responsible for. So they govern within the earth realm. This is what principalities do. They govern within the earth realm. And they may also influence decision-making within the government and any collected groups of people. So that's why when certain things, that's why when we pray, we ought to, we ought to pray for our government, uh, that they will make just decisions and make uh, just laws. Because when the president of the United States makes a declaration about a thing, they have jurisdiction on the earth, in the earth realm. But they actually give, when they, when they do something that against the will of God and they say it's okay, then they're giving demons legal access to attack, legal access to gain more territory. Okay? So, again, that's what we have to pray for those in leadership. So, again, so they're not only demonic principalities, but they're also angelic principalities, right? So these angelic principalities, you know, do the same thing but for, for God, okay? But, of course, Satan is a copycat, and he has demonic principalities. So Satan may try to copy what God does, but he will never be able to do what God does. That's what he wants to do, but he will never be able to do what God does. That's why when there was a war in heaven, you didn't see God. Oh, Jesus fighting Satan in Revelation? 
why would God fight Satan? <laughs> that that ain't he, they're not even close in rank. That's why Michael, the the, the minister of defense, the, the the one who over the the warrior angels, he fought Satan and is the and, and Michael's army. Of course, Michael's army worked for God's army, worked for God, part of God's army, worked for God. But Michael's are responsible for the warrior angels, the, the warfare angels, the angels that do war, that fight. Okay, uh, also known as the, some call them the minister of defense, if you will. Uh, so, so they fight. That's who fought Satan and his demons. Okay, so uh, and so again, Satan, so again, Satan may try to do what God does. But he will never be able to duplicate. He will never be able to do what God. He may try to copy what God does, but he will never be able to do what God does. So when you engage the enemy, follow me here now. I'm, I'm making this point here. So when you engage the enemy in spiritual warfare, you are not engaging them as a child of God. You engage them as a king. It's king versus king. We are kings in God's government. So you got to, again, keep this in mind. Though we're in the earth, Scripture said we're in the world, but we're not of the world. So therefore, we are part of God's government. You are part of God's government, and God's government is the highest government in the land, in the earth, on, in the world, all across the globe. God's government is the highest order, okay? And in the highest order, I don't care what your status is in the earth, per se, right now, you are a king and a priest in the highest order of government. You are a king. God called you a king. Again, king, queen, not gender specific. So you are a king, okay, in God's government, the highest government there is. Okay, so therefore, again, you got to stop looking, living below your potential and looking below your potential because you are a king in the highest government, the highest order there is in the world. You are royalty in it. Okay, so follow me. So, again, so when you're engaging in enemy warfare, you can't fight the enemy as a son or a daughter. You fight them as a king because it's a king versus a king. Again, we're kings in God's government and we war against kings in Satan's government. So we must go from just the place of being sons and daughters and realize we have duty as kings and queens. Sons and daughters, watch this now, as a son or a daughter, we have an inheritance. And we inherit the things of God. We inherit the promises of God. Ultimately, God is our inheritance, because in all, and God is all things. So sons and daughters inherit, okay? We inherit things. So that's why we talk about the promises of God. When God took the children of Israel out of, out of Egyptian captivity, out of slavery, out of bondage, and they got into the promised land, that was, a, that was provision. That was a promise. That was something for them to enjoy on earth as a son or a daughter. But when they had to fight Pharaoh, when they had to fight the other enemies, the Philistines, these other part, enemies that tried to attack, they could not fight as a son or a daughter. They had to fight as a king or a queen. It's positioning. It's all the spirit room is all about rank, all about ranking. And so you you can't fight an enemy in a warfare thinking like a son or a daughter. You have to think like a king or a queen in God's government. Sons and daughters inherit, but it's only when we walk in the anointing as kings and queens that we have jurisdiction to rule on earth on behalf of God. The only way for you to rule is to rule in a place of as a king, as a queen in God's government. Even in earthly government, watch this now. I'm going to show you how it makes sense. Even in earthly government, a child of a king cannot legally begin ruling, declaring war, etc., until they are anointed and appointed as a king or queen. I'm going to say that again. Even in earthly government, a child of a king cannot legally begin ruling, declaring war, etc., until they're anointed and appointed as king or queen. Even in America. A president cannot begin making certain rules and vetoing and have the power to veto and, 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 and do these, all these different things until they've been elected 
president and sworn in as president. The transition has to take place. Even after the newly elected president is, is elected, they still don't get into office until uh, late January, et cetera, to give the other president time to transition out, et cetera, and finish up their term. So, again, it's not until you are officially transitioning from the mindset of a son or a daughter. I'm just a child of God. Yes, you are a child of God. That's a great thing. That's a wonderful thing. But you're much more than just a child of God. You are a king or queen in the government. The highest government there is the government of God. Okay? So spiritual warfare is a war between two governments. And one is evil and the other is good. So fight on the good side, which is the side of Christ. All right, let's go to Genesis 45. Genesis 45, verses 4 through 8. Genesis 45, verses 4 through 8. And it reads, And Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near to me. So they came there. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not, do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years the famine has been in the land, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all this house, his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. So we know it's a familiar story. Uh, we know how Joseph's brothers deceived their father and sold Joseph into slavery because they felt their father showed favoritism toward Joseph. Joseph also found himself in prison. However, Joseph found favor in the king's palace and became a ruler in Egypt. He worked his way up, etc., and all that. So although his brothers sold him into slavery, Joseph had to go through what he went through to get to where he was. Now, granted, it could have been a whole other way because God didn't necessarily – it wasn't necessarily God's will that Joseph got thrown into prison. But the enemy influenced Joseph's brothers, and this positive enemy was meant to kill Joseph. That's what the enemy thought they were doing. Okay, if I can persuade, deceive Joseph's brothers, if I can create a spirit of jealousy, if I can send a spirit of jealousy – to enter in their hearts. That spirit is going to make room for more demons to, to attack, and then now I can get these brothers to, to, to band together. Okay? We, we talk about generation, generationally again, we see. And so we got these brothers coming together to, to sell this one brother into slavery because they were jealous of him, and then it caused them to also lie to their father to, to make them think that he, he was okay, okay, that to Isaac. So, oh, your brother, oh, he, he, he was, he's dead. You know, had, they had them thinking that, he, that his dad thinking that Joseph was dead. So Satan knew Joseph had a great calling. So what Satan sent to block your calling in God will backfire and push you closer towards fulfilling your calling in God. God used Satan's plot to work in Joseph's favor. It wasn't, like I said, it was not necessarily God's divine will for Joseph to be sold into slavery, just as it wasn't God's divine will for Adam and Eve to sin. God turned a bad situation around for the good. So God will use what the enemy plotted against you, he will use what the enemy plotted against you to work in your favor, and it will turn around for your good. So friends and family may have seen you one way before, but when you walk in your kingship, the price you paid will have a great reward. Some tried to get you to go one way because it's the only way they knew. It's the only way they've seen. However, God took you a new way. He took you a different way. It's uncommon. It looks weird to others. It sounds weird. But watch God perform great things in your life. Just because it was done one way in the past 
does not mean that God will do it the same way again. God loves doing new things in your life and the new thing he will do. So Joseph went through the process because he would be trusted with great responsibility. And a part of his assignment was to save his family. Slavery and prison did not stop him. And the results were beyond what he could have imagined. A demonic plot is no match for a divine plan. A demonic plot is no match for God's divine plan. All right, let's go to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. We have two more passages after this. 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. And then you can put your finger on Esther 4. Esther chapter 4. So we're going to do 1 Samuel 17. Then we're going to jump to Esther 4 right after that. So 1 Samuel 17. Hold your finger there. And then Esther 4. Okay, so 1 Samuel 17 verse 16. And then we're going to read verse 45 to 47. So we're going to read 1 Samuel 17 verse 16. And then we're going to read verse 45 to 47. Okay, and it reads, verse, 1 Samuel 17 verse 16. And it reads, And the Philistine drew near and presented himself. 40 days, morning and evening. Verse 45 to 47. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with the sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. That passage alone is a warfare. That's, that's a warfare prayer right there. I mean, look, look what he said in verse 47. All the sinners shall know that the Lord does not save with the sword and the spear. The battle is the Lord's. He will give you into our hands. I will give your carcasses to the camp, to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth. I shall cut your head off. That was warfare. David wasn't, wasn't praying. This was, he, was, he was coming against the enemy. And this enemy, uh, so, we, so we know the story of David and Goliath. David was the least likely person to have defeated this giant. We know Goliath was this giant that was part of the Philistine army. Who had been trained from youth that this giant Goliath was trained from youth on how to fight physical warfare but we know that the enemy was using him on the spiritual side so the army of Israel had many great soldiers including Saul who was the king at the time Saul uh, but everyone was afraid of Goliath so we can identify a demonic pattern here they, they, we pull some things from this passage we can identify a demonic pattern from this very passage the spirit of fear worked against the Israelite army so Satan kept using it he influenced the Philistine army to keep showing up every day for 40 days, morning and even, evening, because it worked. He said, okay, they're afraid of this giant because this giant is huge and he's taunting them. And, and these great men of war in Israel, Saul, the king, and all the other army, this great army that they had, all the other battles they won. And now this one giant, this one giant y'all afraid of? This whole army is frightened. So the spirit of fear was in operation. And then, so Satan knew that this worked. So what did, this, what, did this, what did he have this Philistine do? Every day, for 40 days, morning and evening, he kept showing up, kept showing up, taunting him. And he didn't have to do anything except to keep showing up. 
because the fear was working on them and the fear was wearing them down before the physical fight. He was doing this before the war ever took place. So to understand the enemy tries to weaken you in your mind, in your body, etc., so they can have an easier fight. So therefore, again, that's why you got to pray for the mind of Christ. And it did not change. That this, again, the lies kept showing up every day, every day, every day, taunting them, taunting them. They were fearful. They thought for sure they were going to lose. They were afraid to even get up. But it did not change because, again, this was a demonic pattern. They keep showing up, keep showing up until, as I said at the beginning, a demonic pattern. They will do something over and over and over again because it works. And they will only stop doing it when it does not work multiple times. It has to consistently not work. If you notice certain cycles in your life, certain attacks of the enemy, certain temptations of the enemy, you notice it over and over again over the course of your life, and it's been the same thing, the same thing, and you keep falling for it, then that's because that's a pattern that works. And if you might have said, okay, I got over it one time, I, I, I got a victory, great, praise the Lord, then you think that you finally defeated that thing, and it comes back because it says, okay, I'm going to keep trying because I'm going to try to weigh you down until it doesn't work consistently. And that's why we have to be persistent in prayer, persistent in God's word. Okay, and persistent in, 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 in fleeing uh, from the trips and traps of the enemy. Okay, so, so watch this now. So again, so this pattern of this enemy showing up day and night, taunting them, did not stop until David showed up. David broke the pattern. God gave David the courage and the strength to overcome Goliath. So to understand, the enemy will keep trying to bully you. So you can leave the territory God has assigned to you. He wants you to leave the territory. They're bullying you, whether it be on your job, trying to get you upset, trying to frustrate you, trying to get you angry, trying to throw you off, trying to tempt you to go over here, over there, etc. Because of the damage that you're causing or because of your assignment there. So don't run, but defend your territory in the spirit. God planted you there. And I say week after week, wherever God planted you, he expects you to flourish. So don't allow no enemy to frustrate you or to, to, to force you, try to force you to leave or to make you want to leave because of what they're doing to you, because of the things they're saying to you, because of what they're saying behind your back, because of how they're trying to work on you. Look, understand, it's not a person. It's the spirit behind the person. It's the pattern that the enemy is doing because they're trying to get you to get out of the way. And you can't leave. You don't want to leave until God says your assignment there is done. So ain't no way in the world you can let no demon from hell torment you and cause you hell on your job or your place of assignment, wherever God has signed me on your home, job, community, etc. Don't let the enemy bully you and make you abort what God sent you to do. You have the power and authority to handle it. And again, that's why you can't show up as a son or a daughter. You have to show up as a king, as a queen. Okay? So God may use you to do the very thing that everyone else is afraid to do, or they may think that you're crazy for doing it. So David's older brother had previously told David to stop asking questions about Goliath because he felt David only came down because he was trying to find an excuse to come and watch the battle. So David spoke words that only God had given him to speak. So understand, there will be situations that you are in the Holy Spirit, that the situation that you're in in the Holy Spirit will rise up and, 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 and speak, rise up in you and speak words that you know did not come from you. You're like, my God, where did that come? The Holy Spirit will stand up in you and be bold, and it will come out. So David told Goliath at the very beginning that the battle belonged to God. He also prophesied to Goliath exactly what would happen. So David knew that God was using him. Saul tried to give David his armor and his sword, but David had not tested. He said, I hadn't used his armor and used his sword. I don't know how to use this weapon you got. So David said, I'm going to use what God gave me. I know how to work these stones. Okay? So sometimes what you need is right within your reach. 
and you cannot go by what someone else thinks is right for you. If you want to break demonic patterns in your life or demonic pattern that has been formed in your life, don't respond in your feelings. Attack it with God's word and prayer. All right, let's go to Esther 4, and then we're going to end with John 10. Esther 4, and then we're going to end with John chapter 10. Okay, Esther 4, verses 13 to 17. And it reads, And Mordecai told them to Esther, told them to answer Esther, Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And I, if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther commanded. Okay, so I'm going to show you another pattern here. So here we find Queen Esther uh, and Mordecai. Uh, Mordecai was a man who sat at the king's gate and played some minor role on the king's staff. Uh, Mordecai was Esther's stepfather, but this was kept a secret from the king. And Haman, a man named Haman, became the king's right-hand man. And Haman did not like Mordecai because Mordecai would not bow down to Haman like the other folks did. He wouldn't kiss up to Haman like the other folks did. So Mordecai stated that he was a Jew. He said, so, so of course... Uh, Mordecai was not going to bow down to a man. He was only going to bow down to God. So Haman did not like this. And so Haman fooled the king, spirit of deception, deceiving spirit. Haman did not like the king and fooled the king. I mean, he did, I mean, he did not like Mordecai. And he fooled the king into making a decree that all the Jews would be killed. All the Jews, all the Jews would be killed. And Esther was also a Jew. But of course, she was the queen, so she was covered. So Mordecai was seeking Esther's help to save him and the other Jews at the time. So Esther knew it was against the law to approach the king without being summoned. So the king had to call you. Uh, even though she was the queen, it was still the law that you had to be summoned by the king. So Mordecai insisted that if Esther remained silent, knowing that Haman was trying to have all the Jews killed, that God would raise someone else up to replace her to deliver the Jews. So Esther had a choice. I'm going to do this God-given assignment now. Or God, you know, God's going to raise up someone else. God will replace. So understand this. So therefore, you have to be bold and do what God is calling you to do because you don't want to be replaced. Replacements get the reward attached to the assignment. I don't want no one to get awards that attach to something that I'm supposed to have. Okay? Something you're supposed to have. So he also suggested that it could be that he said, look, Esther, it could be your purpose. Part of your purpose in becoming queen for this time right here, for a time such as this. You may have rules to power for a time such as this to save your people. So this was a lot of pressure as the queen. She was under a lot of pressure to complete this assignment. It was dangerous. This was a very dangerous assignment because all that was at stake. But she was willing to take the risk to save her people. That's why she said, if I perish, I perish. So she asked Mordecai to gather the Jews in the area and fast and pray for three days, and she would do the same thing along with her maids. So she took the risk. And she took that risk, and the people were saved, and Haman's evil plan backfired. The demonic plot backfired for God's divine plan. So the enemy's plot backfired. Esther and Mordecai were not dealing with – watch this now. I'm going to show you the, the demonic spirits that were at work. We already talked about the deceiving spirit with Haman, etc. but it was much larger than that. It was a higher-ranking demons that came into play. Watch this now. So 
Esther and Mordecai were not dealing with some lower-ranking demon. They were dealing with a principality. And we know this because we talked about principalities earlier. They deal with large groups of people. They deal with nations, continents, etc. large groups of people. They don't deal with one individual. They deal with groups. That's their assignment. They, they deal with groups and, and, and create patterns that way by attacking groups, continents, having, you know, taking territory. That, that's their responsibility. So because this uh, Haman was influenced by this demonic plot, these demons, etc., the, the whole thing was to wipe out the entire Jewish nation because they were the people of God, chosen people. And so this is the principality at work here because an entire race was under attack. This entire race could have been taken out if Esther and Mordecai did not do their part. And Mordecai challenged Esther through the spirit of God, and Esther responded. That sometimes you've got to challenge some folk in the spirit to do what God called them to do. So all spiritual fights are not equal because all fights aren't fought on the same level. The bigger the territory the greater the warfare. And that's why we have to pray. This is not a time to be silent in the things God is urging you to do. I assure you that whatever answers you are seeking, if you keep chasing God, answers will come. Esther rose to that position that she was queen in for many reasons, but she was given a great assignment of helping to save an entire nation. An entire nation. So don't take your God-given assignment lightly. Your assignment will impact many more lives than your own. Your next yes to God may be the very yes that catapults you into areas you have never imagined. Your next yes to God could catapult you into areas you could have never imagined. John 10, our last passage, John 10, verses 9 through 10. John 10, verses 9 through 10. And it reads, I am the door. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. We know the passage. So we see here that Jesus Christ is the ultimate door. Okay. He urges us to open our door so that he can have full control in our life to the point that his door becomes our door. He, so his life becomes our life. However, if Christ is the door... We know that Satan also has a door that he tries to get us to go through. He wants to make it look as much like Christ's door as possible. See, again, he, again, everything God creates, he tries to duplicate. So you might see an open door in the spirit and think, oh, this is my opportunity, boom, boom, boom. And it could be a demonic door. And that's why you got to pray for discernment because, again, Satan will try to get you to go the wrong way. They throw you off track. Okay? So, again, if Christ is the door, you know that Satan also thinks he's a door. He, but he wants to make a look at Christ's door. But understand, fate can never match what's real. The truth of Christ will always outlast a lie. There are doorways to your life. And we must make sure that through prayer, that there are no open doors for the enemy to gain legal access. Legal access, watch this now, hear me clearly. Legal access is different from forced entry. Don't give the enemy an easy door in your life, an easy open door in your life. Put your wall of defense up through more time in prayer. And you have to, again, open your mouth and command whatever the enemy has tried to sow in your life, whatever seed, whatever is through your ancestors before you, 
whatever the enemy has sold, you have to uproot it in the name of Jesus. Command what has been tormenting you. Command what has been stealing from you. Command what has been messing with your mind to leave in the name of Jesus. And you can't just do it one time. you got to be persistent and do it every day. The same way Goliath kept showing up because Goliath represented a, a, a demonic force, a demonic order. And that demonic order kept showing up because, again, the uh, uh in all actuality, Goliath represented a principality because, again, he represented an entire army. He was showing up in, for an entire army, but, it, again, it's always something – it's always a spiritual uh, implication. So, so in the spirit, was, what happened in the spirit was being manifested in the natural. So as Goliath kept showing up, kept showing up, he was representing a principality. A principality was influencing Goliath because they, he represented the entire Philistine army, and it was causing fear amongst an entire nation. And, of course, they tried to take an entire nation out. Queen Esther and Mordecai, as I said, they were coming up against a principality that was trying to stop them from doing the will of God. Much higher ranking principalities are much higher ranking than those lower ranking demons. Then the spirit of fear and the spirit of deception and the spirit of error principalities are higher than that. Okay? And so that's why, uh, again, it's, it's, it's ranking. It's ranking. That's just that every war, every battle is not on the same level. Okay? And so, you, and so it's, it's the spiritual warfare is all about ranking, ranking in the spirit. Okay? So if you accept Christ's invitation, you can come and go in this earth and find plenty. You will be protected and provided for. That's already a promise. So we see that the thief show, only shows up. The thief only shows up for one of three reasons. He says the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. Okay? So the thief only shows up for one of three reasons. And that's to steal us, steal from us, to kill us, or to destroy us. Those are the only reasons. The end goal is to kill us. Or to kill us in certain areas of our lives to make us not want to live. That's where you get suicidal spirits. Depression can, can create that suicidal spirit to where the point the enemy wants to kill areas in your life. Uh, we, we can go down to a number of things, you know, where, where the enemy will try to kill someone's womb that they won't be able to have a child. Okay, and of course you can bring it back to life through the power and authority that's in you, etc. And that's all demonic spirits at, that are at work because they want to close the womb. They don't want you to bring in life on earth, okay? And, and but, but again, there's so many other ways, you know, like I said, that could be a reverse, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and, and, you know, even those who adopt, again, they're still bringing, bringing a, a child into their bloodline, and that child came out of a bloodline, so you got to eradicate whatever they even try to use to attack that, but then you're bringing them into a godly home and raising them up as Christ-like, and et cetera. So, so, so again, but it, there's always patterns going on that we need to be aware of so that we can know how to counterattack. So again, so again, that's why the enemy will try to kill us in, in certain areas. That's why scripture, Jesus told Peter, Peter, Satan has desired, has asked for you. He has desired to sift you as wheat. That, so it's again, so demons are patient. They don't, always want, they don't always have to do a quick work. They're very patient. They're very patient. It's, okay, I'm going to keep working on them. I'm going to keep showing them. I'm going to keep doing this. To, if I can wear, I'm going to keep doing this to try to wear them down. I'm going to keep trying to wear them down. Keep trying to wear them down. They keep saying no. They keep saying no. They keep on avoiding it, but I'm going to keep doing it until it works until, or until I realize, okay, it's not working. We've got to try something else. So that's the enemy goal is to try to wear you down or to make you frustrated in one area in your life, whether it's your family, whether it's your finances, whether it's in your health, et cetera, your career, et cetera. They try to frustrate you to make you die in that area, to make you say, I don't care about that anymore. I don't care about my relationships. And to make you put work curses on yourself out of anger. You see how those spirits work? It start off with a small little tiny seed. To where you kind of upset you mad and you're trying to block it out, then to that seed cause you to speak death. You get to speak lies. 
you and you're speaking things that are hurtful and speaking things that are not right and speaking things out of your flesh, out of your emotions. So now you're putting that word curse on yourself. So now you got to do more work. And now you got to go back and, and, and repent for those words. And then you got to, you know, re, uh, cast that out. You see, so you see how these things work. They're very strategic. They're very patient. So we have to be strategic. So again, it is that serious. Because the end goal is to kill us or to kill us in certain areas of our lives to make us not want to live. So you must know that it is that serious. Demons aren't coming to play nice. They're not coming to play fair. So you can't play nice either. Let them know that you mean business. Christ came to give you not just a normal life but an abundant life. Your life has got to get better, and it will get better in Christ because you're in Christ. Simple as that. And so there are demonic plots, and there are demonic patterns. But you have the power, you have the authority to overcome that, to, to send confusion into the enemy's camp. You have the ability to speak it. I send confusion into the camp of the enemy. That whatever tried to attack you, I stop it now. I block it now in the name of Jesus. Every trap that the enemy has set, I declare, shall be exposed in the mighty name of Jesus. That's how you war. You got to get in that thing. You got to, you got to get mad in the spirit because they're mad at you. You can't play nice. Oh, please leave me alone. Just leave me alone. I'm just tired. The devil ain't moved by your emotion. If anything, that, that gives them more room to attack. You have to get angry in the spirit to you shall not have my family. You shall not have my, my body. You shall not take my finances any longer. You shall not have my help. You got to be bold about that thing. You shall not deceive me any longer. And pray for discernment that the Holy Spirit will give you the discernment to see the tricks of the enemy. And guess what? And now that you know these things, it's your responsibility to teach others who don't know about warfare, who don't know. Oh, that's, that's the enemy that's trying to stop. That's the enemy at work. That's the enemy at work. And you got to recognize that when you recognize it, it changes your response. It changes how you respond to it. it changes your reaction. I'm going to close out in prayer. Father God, we come now to the end of this Bible study. Oh God, thank you, oh God, for the word that went forth on this night, oh God. We thank you, oh God, for all that's been said and done. We thank you, oh God, for just letting us know, oh God, about demonic plots and demonic patterns, oh God, and how we can overcome it, how we can combat it, oh God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for them walking in their power and their authority, oh God. We thank you for opening their eyes of understanding, oh God, heightening their discernment, oh God, that they will see every trick and trap of the enemy, oh God, and they will overcome it, oh God, by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, oh God. So we thank you now, oh God. I declare the spirit of peace shall rest upon them, oh God. I declare the spirit of joy shall rest upon them, oh God. I declare that clarity and revelation shall flow into their lives like never before, oh God. In the name of Jesus, I declare they shall have dreams. They shall dream dreams and have visions, oh God, in the mighty name of Jesus, oh God, and that they shall see, oh God, all the great things that you have in store for them, oh God, and, and that they shall understand what it is that you're calling them to do in this season, oh God, right now, oh God. We thank you, oh God. We bless your name, oh God. And I declare uh, a prayer of protection over them there, God, that no hurt, harm, or danger shall come their way, oh God. I declare that no weapon formed against them shall be able to prosper, oh God. So I thank you for their lives, oh God, for protecting them, for keeping them, for pushing them forward, oh God, for pushing them forward in their spirit, catapulting them, oh God, to their next level in you, their next level in you, oh God, to their next assignment in you, oh God. So we thank you. We bless your name now. We glorify your name. These are blessed after your son, Jesus, and we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. So again, go over to decorgreen.org. Remember that you are the breath of God, and God never wastes a breath. This is Apostle Green signing out. God bless you. Have a smile upon you. Good night. Warriors, thank you for tuning in to the Spiritual Warfare Network podcast and applying today's teaching. 
Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow Apostle Green on social media.